and welcome aboard and glad you are with us. We're so glad. 800-941-SEAN is our number. I, you know, we got to have a little discussion here before we really hit the hard-hitting news of the day. There's there's things that I, I just... it's a, These are very weird, strange times. Let's just say the least. I, you know, what did I say during the Trump years all the time? That they there's always liberals, the left, the media, the mob, Democrats, socialists... They they feign outrage over a tweet. Oh, my gosh, a tweet. You know, the Lincoln Project feigning outrage at every single, every second, every minute of every 24-hour day, every week, every month, every year of Donald Trump's presidency. Do I really believe they were all that offended all the time? Because it's like a constant state of, oh, I'm so offended. I'm so offended. I got the vapors. Oh, the tweet was horrible, terrible. Um. I don't believe it. Everybody wants to act like they're so upset and their feelings are hurt all of the time. I don't view Americans as as, you know, getting the vapors and oh, a polite society. It's just all fine and good. I I teach I taught my kids to say yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. Uh, be polite to adults, please. Thank you. Just basic stuff. Did they do it all the time? No. What do you say? Thank you. Okay. How do you ask for that? Please. We all do that sort of thing. We want our kids to to grow up and be respectful people. So there is a private school that's called Grace Church School in New York City. Now, by the way, you have no idea what New York City schools are like. Private schools, that is. They're pricey. This one's fifty-seven grand a year, and anyway. So, but to get into a school, you would think you're trying to get your kindergartner into college. It is that insane. It's unlike anything you've ever said. Now it's interesting to watch. Florida schools remain open. Florida's number two in the country with schools. Did you know that? Anyway, I look. Schools can do whatever they want. Fox News has the piece. Kind of nailed it in their their article Manhattan private school warns against using mom and dad and has created an inclusive language guide as part of our Episcopal identity. We recognize the dignity and the worth common to humanity. And they said they're warning that the terms mom and dad and parents could be inappropriate because they make assumptions about kids home lives. And let me say up front, if somebody now, I used to be a bit of a wise ass. I'd like to think I'm a little more mature, trying to be a better Christian in my life as I get older. It's important to me. My faith is important to me. You know, I believe you treat people with respect. The golden rule is the golden rule. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. You follow those rules, that rule in life, I tell my kids all the time, you usually can't go wrong. It's nice to be respectful. Okay. Now, there were times a little more immature, Hannity TV, Hannity and Combs, we'd have a guest. I'm a doctor, meaning a PhD doctor. I said, okay, Mr. So-and-so, and I'd say their name just to be just to be a little bit of a jerk. That's part of being a talk show host at times. But I would now I'd probably just say, okay, doctor, you want to be called doctor with your PhD? I'll call you doctor. Make you feel better? Feel good about yourself? Good grief. I, don't, I just don't even care what people say about me anymore. I don't care. I'm not offended. I mean, this is the big myth here that everyone's so, you know, feigning outrage. I'm so outraged. Uh, okay, well, I was the fifth kid. My, I, 
my parents lost one child to crib death, which was really sad just a couple of months after being born, which I never knew about until I got older. But by the time I got around to being born, my parents were older and they were working their asses off, right? My mom, a prison guard. I've told the story. My dad, a family probation guy, waiter on weekends. They worked so hard and they were tired. And I was a pain. I was an incorrigible child. And my mom would say, you don't leave this house. And I'd say, you can't stop me. And I actually was that kid. I was that kind of kid. And I'd go out and when your father gets home, wait. My father would come home. Off comes the belt. Bam, bam. I'll tell you right now, I deserved every every time. I was He was right. I was wrong. And then he'd always say, you know, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And I was like, I doubt it. But okay, if you say so, Dad. But I'll tell you, it, 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 you know, I respect them so much. My, they're just better people than I think I could ever be. And they've had it so much harder. My grandparents came here from Ireland, all four of them, poor. They've had such hard lives. They were good people. Americans are fundamentally great people. We are a good people. Now, whatever, whatever they want to do, it's their school. They can do whatever they want. But banning mom and dad is just, we're, we're now crossing a line here. I'm sorry. It is insanity. When, you know, look, right now, I pointed out last week on the TV show, pointed it out here, I think, too. Like, the whole Dr. Seuss thing goes down. This is after the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head thing goes down. Now it's the Dumbo and Peter Pan thing going down. And now it's mom and dad are getting banned. And I'm watching this. And then I'm watching Piers Morgan over in Great Britain. And now, if, if Prince Harry and Meghan Markle really wanted privacy and security well the last thing they ought to have done is gone on a special two-hour oprah winfrey television program that's broadcast all over the world and then saying things that you know would get a reaction again and they by the way they live in montecito california i was lived in santa barbara five years i had no money at that time in my life it's an expensive place I think average home in Montecito runs anywhere between 11 and 20 plus million dollars. They're living in, an, in a safe enclave. And, but they chose to do it, and Piers Morgan has an opinion. Okay, you don't have to agree with him. I don't think he should have walked off the set, but that's me. But he, he's stuck by his guns, and, he's, he, and now he lost his job. He got fired. I don't know. But the worst part of it is, is now there's a government investigation going on in Great Britain. Now, I don't care if you're a liberal. I don't care if you're a conservative. I don't care, uh, or a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care. Now, why would that get my attention more than anything else? Because we have this PC police here. And I'm telling you, this cancel culture, if you're a conservative and you're in on radio or you're on TV, you know exactly what cancel culture is because there are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that are being spent where people are paid to record every word people like me say and Mark Levin says and every other talk show host, many of my friends, Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, Rose Tennant back on the air in Pittsburgh. We're so happy about that. And because they want to either boycott, they use the term now, deplatform, shut down, because you, they don't like what you say. 
or the opinions that you have. I've experienced cancel culture up close and personal my entire career, knowing that there are people that want to take me out of the game. In other words, I'm done. Banned, canceled. Rush lived through it. Stern lived through it. Imus lived through it. Levin lives through it. Beck lives through it. Lars lives through it. Pags lives through it. Rose lives through it. Every talk show host in the country lives through it. Every single one of us. Now, I don't know. I, I've, I've asked people to show me. Okay, Linda, maybe you can tell me. Linda, like today, is like, I'm not upset that they canceled Dumbo. Why would you not be upset? Why, why are we canceling Dumbo? You should be happy there's at least one thing I'm not upset about, and it's not for the reasons that everybody else is upset about it. Well, why does every, first, why does everyone else want Dumbo and Peter Pan canceled? I haven't figured it out yet. They don't. They don't care. It's just people at the top making noise so that you look at the shiny ball and don't pay attention to the complete destruction of your country. Having said that, Dumbo was a very sad movie, and it made me cry. So so tough Linda that grew up in the streets of Philly and New York City. Yeah. Curses at times like a sailor. It doesn't mean I'm soulless. Dumbo is a cartoon. So? Cancel Pepe Le Pew. Oh, my chérie. Oh, let's go to the Casbah. I mean, this is nuts. I like, I like Pepe Le Pew. I mean, I think it all comes to... Well, he's getting canceled, too. But he doesn't make me cry. He makes me laugh. It's different. Oh, so you really don't want... Well, what are you Sean, do, do you Liam? remember, Dumbo, do you remember what happens? Yeah, Dumbo was made fun of. But no, then no, no. This is, Katie and I were just talking about this they earlier. They were mean to Dumbo. Do you want to hear they, my answer or you want to answer for me? I know Dumbo. I watched Dumbo. I, okay. I didn't cry. The part that I am talking about is where the mom puts her trunk through the, the bars of the cell that she's trapped in to hold her child and rock him and she sings Baby of Mine. Stripped away. Oh, forget about it. It's horrible. Listen, I'll be honest. I don't know if you've ever watched. Like, I love watching nature shows. And now I'm a big Second Amendment guy. I'm not a hunter. I'm, I'm more of a pistol. I've been a pistol marksman, <coughs> excuse me, since I'm 11. And I, you watch, for example, when they would kill these elephants to get the tusks and the ivory. And, like, and, and you watch even sometimes they kill baby elephants. The mother elephant doesn't want to leave the child. Will stay there, and you can tell that's like it seems to be more. Seems to be. I don't know what an elephant feels. I don't know. That kind of touches my heart. I don't really have. Listen, a you don't know this about me, but I'm going to share this with you because it's going to be you know. news. So I am obsessed. Anyone who's very close to me knows this with elephants. I've been to the sanctuaries in, in Africa. I send money there. I adopt the elephants. I've got pictures of them all over my house. You've adopted I, an elephant. I have a, uh, several. <laughs> I believe they're wonderful. I actually don't know their names. God's creatures. Listen, I look at the majesty of creation, the stars, the sky, you know, planets. You've got universes within universes within infinity. And when you stop and you listen to the birds, they're like trying to grab our attention. It's God's beautiful cathedral. I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend about the, the beautiful diamonds that shimmer off the water. They're free. You don't have to pay for them. And they're more beautiful than any earrings you could ever buy. But go ahead. No, I don't want to stop this. Please continue. I'm all about no. the free diamonds. 
<laughs> no, they just you see the shimmering <laughs> lights off you. from the sun <laughs> off the water. It's beautiful. It's cosmic. It is beautiful. And and the the thing is is that most Americans are much more concerned about keeping, you know, the nuclear family together, putting gas in their car, food on their table. They don't care about Pepe Le Pew. They definitely don't care about, you know, people who are concerned about calling their parents caregivers and not mom or dad. I mean, th- this is complete insanity. It's com- and we just have and to they stop. Sent out, we have they, to say stop. Like, there's a press release by this, I don't know, whoever the heck this guy is, George Davison. So if the boorish cancel culture press wants to condemn us, newly dubbed woke no-ho, I guess that's what people are calling the school, I'm guessing, a school of politeness and dignity and respect, and I embrace it. And I hope you will, too. <laughs> okay. A good group. What if you break the law? What if you say mom and dad and you break the law? You, you make an assumption. I, I, I'm, I worry that this could end. Look, they do want to take away your Second Amendment rights. We know that. They're in the process of doing it now. And I'll get to that today. But if they can investigate in a country like Great Britain, they can investigate Piers Morgan because of his opinions. I'm worried because this is ultimately where the left will take this. And liberty and freedom. Let me tell you something. That's why socialism always fails. You're promised everything. It fails. I, I, I got to be honest. I could not take it if my kid was at this school. I couldn't handle it. I honestly, I, I can't wait it. to see how many of them get pulled out because at the end of the day, if you're saying uh, Megan Kelly did it good for her. I saw that I like and she and she said this is why but I it's can't like, take it anymore. It's gross. I mean, you know, like when I stop shopping at stores because they cancel people that I care about. It's like I don't need you to tell me whose products I can and cannot buy. Oh, it drives me nuts. It's completely insane. And now you're going to tell my kid you're going to tell my kid that my he can't call me mom or dad or talk about me as mom and dad in the classroom. Are you are you nuts? This uh, the answer to the question is we're going nuts. Yes. And we better stop it. And that's the thing. We've got to stop it. You're right. It's got to stop at some point here. Now, if you want to make little minor edits, fixes, this and that, okay, I'm fine with that. But this has got to end. If you listen to this uh, program, you know that I pointed out many, many times if the medical manufacturers stopped producing and farmers stopped farming and truckers stopped trucking, New York was dead about this time last year or the beginning of this time last year. Anyways, part of the COVID, the 9% bailout that is actually needed and necessary and helpful uh, is money for farmers. I love farmers. We had this farmer call the program last week. I'm, I'm like, the guy called me from his tractor. Farmers, I love going grocery shopping. And yes, I do my own grocery shopping. People are like, what are you doing here? I'm like, buying food. What are you doing here? It's obvious. I like to eat. Uh, although oranges, 10 for 10 bucks is a little high right now, but they're great oranges. Anyway, so they're going to have $4 billion, but they have decided to incorporate race-based criteria. And I'm like, why don't we do it for every farmer? I love our farmers. You know, I, I understand that there are people, all backgrounds and races doing farming. Now, if there's a farmer, if one particular group of farmers maybe they grow corn or soybeans or whatever they have avocados i don't know if they maybe got hit particularly hard because of covid maybe they'd get more money on a need basis but this bill this relief package has incorporated race-based criteria to pay farmers of of that are minorities 
more money than other farmers. How about we treat all our farmers, they're all amazing, equally, and help them all out equally? I don't know. I mean, wasn't that part of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech? One day? How does this... If you, if I, I read this article and I couldn't believe it on foxnews.com. So this school in New York, um, it's called the Grace Church School in NoHo. Woke NoHo is, I guess, what the nickname is. Anyway, they're warning in their inclusive language guide against using the terms mom and dad. They also are asking, you, you, they're now banning students from saying mom and dad or asking your fellow classmates where you might have gone on vacation. Not only is wishing Merry Christmas banned, even Happy Holidays is banned. Why is Happy Holidays? What's wrong? Happy Holiday. Be happy. Have a happy holiday. Unbelievable. This this is, you know, this is the new wokeness cancel culture on steroids here. You know, now, do I think America would have a harder time doing what they're doing in Great Britain? Appears Morgan, an investigation because Meghan Markle complained. I mean, I don't know if there are racists in, within the monarchy. I have no idea. I don't care about the royals. I know a lot of people care about the royals. I don't care about Americans right now, getting back to work, getting over this pandemic and getting life back to normal uh, and trying to stop the radicalism of Joe and the Democrats and trying to get back to constitutional order, which we will get to today. And that is, you know, by the by the executive fiat stroke of a pen, Joe Biden usurping the co-equal branch of government's power uh, by just Writing, writing the legislation, signing it, executive order. We'll get to all of that. I mean, Merry, you can't say happy holidays? Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Why not? I mean, are people really offended by this? I don't believe they are for a second. It's like I, I just don't buy it or believe it. But what? Are we now going to have? Look at, look at H.R. 1, for example, put in there judge shopping. If you have a constitutional challenge to these draconian, insane, no voter ID, felons vote, register everybody, you know, rules of the Democrats, massive mail-in voting, um, and you challenge the Constitution, you can only challenge it in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, not, not anywhere else. And then they also have, as part of it, all these other draconian rules. I mean, it's absolute madness that's taken over we got a lot of things that we we gotta we you, gotta get get engaged here and i really do love farmers I had this guy called it last week as i was telling you and i understand that farmers farmers you know every time you go in a grocery store think about it look at the look at the selection look at the options the fresh fruit the fresh vegetables whatever you like to eat the fresh meat the fresh poultry the fresh whatever it's because, let's see, manufacturers manufacture, farmers farm, uh, truckers truck, ranchers ranch. These are great people that work their, their tails off every day. And they, they provide inexpensive, relatively speaking, food for all of us. They feed us all. And if you want to cut your food budget, there's ways to cut it. I mean, just depending on what you want to buy to eat, right? So... Uh, why, if if there's a certain segment in the farming community, and I love all of our farmers, 
that maybe did worse than another sector, like maybe the avocado business went bad or maybe the corn business went bad or maybe there's, you know, disproportionate amount of pain for the soybean farmers or whatever. Then you might help them out a little more. Why are we why are we pitting Americans against you? Every farmer's great. They these farmers deserve our thanks and our appreciation for what they provide for us every day. And their, their, their ability to produce the massive quantities of food because of the science of farming and agriculture and the idea that you're going to have or incorporate race-based criteria. And why don't we treat all our great farmers the same? Because they're all feeding us. We owe them all a, a debt of gratitude. But that's not what's in this bill. This is, you know... I guess kind of like a, you know, this is now the pushing the reparations bill, et cetera, et cetera. We had one that one cabinet member of Biden saying, yeah, we might do it by executive action. I'm like, oh, boy. Are we going to ever use the co-equal branch called the legislature? And I'll tell you, you better pay attention, too, because Democrats are now rapidly evolving on the issue of eliminating the. The, fil- the legislative filibuster. You have somebody in Nevada just became the latest Democratic senator to come out supporting, reforming the 60-vote threshold. Now, we're told that Joe Manchin and Kristen Simona, two Democrats, one West Virginia, Joe Manchin, Arizona, uh, Senator Sinema, are against ending the legislative filibuster. We'll see. Because Joe's seem to begin to buckle, well, I wanted to be tougher to do a filibuster. What does that even mean? And as a side note, Washington Examiner had a good piece out today. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Democrats just impeach President Trump for what they claimed was his attempt to overturn the results of an election and incited an insurrection when he said peacefully, patriotically, let your voices be heard at the Capitol? Nancy Pelosi now said the House could ultimately vote to unseat a Republican representative. Her name is... Marionette Miller-Meeks, who won Iowa's 2nd Congressional District by only six votes. Every vote matters, right? At a 394,000 cast, she told reporters that the Democratic-led administrative committee is following the law, reviewing the election. By the way, this, this, you know, New York 22, New York 24 races, I mean, they're still trying to find votes and, and get rid of Claudia Tenney, too. We'll see where it takes us. Anyone in the media going to say, uh, you don't have the right to do that. She won by six votes. It's been certified. It's over. Because they had no problem saying that to Donald Trump every single day. Now this, uh, we're going to check in later with Governor Abbott of Texas. It is a real crisis at the border. One month of Biden in charge of our country's borders. Catch and release is now back. There's no social distancing. There's no mask wearing. One town in Texas, 25% positivity rate for COVID-19. And yes, the kids in cages are back, as well as kids in cargo shipping containers with a tiny window with bars on it, but we're told has butterflies on the walls inside, but we're not allowed to see it. Why not? What are they hiding? Biden's first full month in charge of the country's borders set new records. Now we have Border Protection said they recorded more than 100,000 encounters with the illegal immigrants. That's the fifth worst month 
in the last decade, the fourth, fourth worst month, all coming during this 2019 surge. February is usually actually a relatively slow month. But these, as we've been reporting every night, people are saying, well, Joe told us to come. Joe Biden told them to come because Joe Biden is holding out amnesty. You know, and finally, they've had to admit an aid to Biden. Yeah, we kind of, you know, we got to do a better job. Roberta Jackson did during this White House press briefing. But it's it's what are they going to do now that they told us it's not a problem? And you know who's benefiting from this? The cartels are benefiting from this. The drug dealers, the what the people they call coyotes, those that charge huge amounts of money. They take people's entire wealth and, and charge them to bring them into the U.S. It's not good. And, it's, and it, this is a self-inflicted problem because Biden's liberal leftist open borders amnesty policies. We are becoming the United Sanctuary States of America under Biden. Now, people are saying, well, Hannity, he's going to, what if he does a good job in a speech tonight? You've been saying he looks weak, frail, and he's struggling cognitively. Here's my answer. He's going to get through his 15-minute speech tonight. Easy. He's been practicing all week, all day today. His one, one agenda item today, one yesterday and one the day before. That's it. That's all he's been doing is practicing. And then he'll get through the State of the Union address, too, whether they want to believe it or not, because he's going to practice, practice, practice. You read a line, you get applause. You read two lines, you get applause. You read three lines, you get applause. It just fits in perfectly with Joe's pacing. That doesn't take away the screw-ups we've been watching left and right or or our current observations. Now, it's going to be a lot harder for them to prep him for a press conference, but even that's going to be partially staged. Uh, let's see. I'm supposed to go to Tom from NBC. Tom, where are you, Tom? Okay, Tom wants to ask me about this. That's what's going to happen next. These immigrants, at the illegal immigrants at the border, it's a boom for cartels and gangs. And they're making money off of a vulnerable population. This is a perilous, treacherous journey. And it's happening, and people will die in the course of this. Now, COVID-19, there's no social distancing in these migrant caravans. There's no mask wearing, very little, if any. You know, Joe, Joe sent me. ICE director, former ICE director Tom Homan told me this week, it's the most secure I've ever seen it before Biden took over, meaning the border. The number of illegal immigrants encountered on the southern border during the first four months of the last fiscal year, 165. The number has nearly doubled this year to 295,000. That was an article that came out today in the Washington Examiner. Yeah, Pompeo's right. A real crisis. 100,000 migrants apprehended just last month, the highest February total since 2006. Reporter confronts Circle Back Press Secretary Jen Psaki about whether Biden's administration's spin is making it worse. Isn't that sending the signal that there will be a time to come? Don't come now, not now, but soon. Of course, that's what they're doing. They've expelled, let's see, 70,000 migrants in February. But, you know, we have a CDC recommendation for Americans not to even travel to Central America. Did you know that? Now you do. 
New Biden policy now is going to outlaw freelance work. More than 57 uh, million Americans work as freelancers. This was in the Washington Examiner. House Democrats recently reintroduced the PRO Act, which among many sweeping reforms are going to make commonplace forms of independent contractor arrangements illegal based on a California law that was so dysfunctional, even voters in that blue state voted to change it. The administration strongly encouraging the House to pass the PRO Act. I I mean, it's unbelievable. We're basically saying to business, pack up, move elsewhere where where you you're not going to be regulated to death and taxed to death because that's what we're saying. That's why want to know why Cuomo's in trouble and Whitmer now is in deep trouble and Murphy and Wolf and Newsom. Those are their draconian policies. They're oppressive. You can't take any government bailout money unless you promise to keep taxes high. That's actually in the bill. Mexican officials are complaining that Biden is helping the drug cartels. They're now complaining. Mexican government's concerned these asylum policies are encouraging illegal immigration and providing huge revenue to drug cartels, according to the Mexican Mexican president. He said after meeting with Biden, we need to work together to regulate the flow. We did have in place the stay in Mexico plan. Miranda Devine chronicled the six Biden fade outs in just the last few weeks. We've been pointing out with the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and where he works, the Pentagon. And uh, let's see, told a group of NASA engineers that Indian Americans are taking over the country. Said in recent days, he lost track mid-speech and blurted out, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Telling People magazine that I wake up every morning, look at Jill and say, where the hell are we? If his wife isn't by his side. Kamala Harris is hovering nearby, an unprecedented development. She's taken all the solo calls with foreign leaders. Then, of course, the D.C. hardware store disaster. No questions. Then shutting off the feed on the TV interview after he's doing a Zoom call. Then, of course, uh, he loses his place. Uh, wait, I, I carry a card with me. And, uh, card. Uh, we have federal taxes spending deficit all setting records in February. Keystone XL pipeline gone, ending any border controls whatsoever. Open borders. Check. You know, pledge to get back into the World Health Organization. Dumb. Check. Rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. Yeah, China and India are developing nations. We pay all the money. Check. Halting all deportations. Catch and release is back. Unbelievable. This is now officially a crisis for the country. Radicalism at a level we've never seen before. And some of you are saying, oh, I'm sick and tired of politics. Don't be sick and tired of politics because your country's hanging in the balance. That I can tell you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, we've got to get into what's happening uh, on, well, first of all, on the COVID issue. The vaccine issue, we'll, we'll give you that, and then we'll get to back to the school issue. Can't say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and you can't say Mommy and Daddy. Okay, uh, never thought I'd be talking about this topic. Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Opening schools, and yes, there's actually a school in New York banning the words Mom and Dad. I, I don't make this up. 
Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato Head. Let's see. Pepe Le Pew. What's next? Who's going to be canceled next? Cancel saying mom and dad? This has got to end. This is now officially madness. We'll get to that. Um, We've been watching very closely those red states. We've talked about Florida. We've talked about Mississippi. We've talked about Texas. We've talked about South Dakota. Red state governors. What are we now learning? That states that did not go along completely with the draconian shutdowns uh, and gave responsibility to their citizens did so much better than other states. Now, there is a huge COVID problem breaking out with our friends in the great state of Texas because we even have one town, as I've been mentioning all week, with a 25 percent. That's one in four positive positivity rate for COVID-19 with illegal immigrants. The last two weeks on Hannity, we have taken our investigative cameras down to Texas. Now they're in Arizona. We'll show you tonight. There's no social distancing. There is zero mask wearing almost. People in close quarters, kids were put in cargo shipping containers that they won't let us see with a bar on the tiny window, bars on it. And but we're told there are butterflies on the wall. And now people are then being put on buses and transported to other states and they're not even getting tested. And all the checkpoints have had to shut down because they they have the real crisis that Biden and his DHS secretary Mayorkas are denying is reality. And our friend Governor Greg Abbott is now stuck trying to fix this mess uh, that is a self-inflicted mess by Joe Biden and company. Now, let me just say quick, I want, and then we'll get to the governor here, because this is very, very important. This is a crisis now. And this is now to the point where we're getting lectured about wearing a mask. But on the other hand, what are we finding out? Uh, that we're letting people in from a country, from countries in, in like Guatemala, El Salvador, Central America, where the CDC recommends Americans not travel. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable here. And Joe Biden is perfectly fine in telling us all that it's all okay and that he's going to be out there and he's going to be doing a Biden blitz starting tonight with a 10-minute speech that he's been practicing, I'm sure, all day. But what do we know? They ended the practice of stay in Mexico policy. They stopped building the border wall. They've reinstated instituted catch and release they're not testing people if they have COVID-19 and they're cramming him into small quarters with no social distancing or masks Governor Abbott's dealing with all of it sir how are you glad you're with us well we are working hard and fast to try to do everything that we can to better address the border crisis and it is a border crisis beyond just the reasons that you explained is a border crisis because of the policy revocations that have been made by the Biden administration has made it very clear that anybody is going to be allowed to cross the border right now. I was down there earlier this week talking with Border Patrol agents, and they are highly concerned. Let me give you uh, one easy uh, uh, fact point, and that is all of last year, all 12 months of last year, in the Rio Grande Valley, they made about 90,000 apprehensions. Already this year, in two and a half months, they have far exceeded all of last year, and now this year, have already made about 108,000 apprehensions. And what that is going to do 
that's going to encourage more and more illegal immigration across the border. A crisis right now is going to turn into a catastrophe in the coming months. Everything you're seeing about people pouring across the border right now will be minuscule compared to what we will be doing going forward. And that's exactly why uh, I triggered that Operation Lone Star so that uh, Texas law enforcement and the Texas National Guard can go down there and fill the gap. Let me quickly explain what that means to your audience. What happens is because of all the people coming across the border, the Border Patrol officers are occupied dealing with these border crossers. When they are occupied dealing with the border crossers, they cannot patrol the border. When that happens, the cartels smuggle in uh, people, contraband, fentanyl, uh, whatever the case may be. could be guns. Who knows what they're smuggling in? Uh, Very dangerous people from other countries across the world. Speaking of which, along those lines also, the Border Patrol told me that uh, this year they have, have, have arrested 800 criminal aliens, 78 sex offenders, 62 gang members, uh, that, and some of whom were members of MS-13. This is a very dangerous uh, action and decision by President Biden, and it's essential that the administration step up and begin to secure the border. Otherwise, this will be a national catastrophe. Uh, we now see, and I'm reading reports of migrant uh, President Biden stirring. Apparently, it's a boom time for gangs. You you mentioned the opioid crisis, Governor. Uh, add to that now the health issues associated with this. The border had never been more secure. We had Tom Homan on the TV show the other night, and he said as much there. You're now looking at, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of people now crossing the border illegally, and a lot of it is happening in your state so you basically now 100,000 migrants apprehended since last month. That's the highest since 2006, Governor. This is, the, the, by any definition, that's a crisis. Now that's a crisis for your state. Now you've got to do, you've got to enforce the laws that Joe Biden is aiding and abetting, uh, ignoring. I mean, I, I, if Sean Hannity ever said, well, I'm just not going to listen to the law, why do I think I'd be put in jail and they throw away the key? But he just gets to ignore laws or write away laws anytime he wants. The law of the land has to be changed if that's what he really wants. But they don't even want to admit that's what their policy is. That's a problem for you, especially. That's exactly right. And we dealt with this under the Obama administration. Uh, and when the Obama administration tried to rewrite uh, the immigration laws, uh, we took him to court. And it went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And we won in the United States Supreme Court. I have no doubt uh, that what the Biden administration is doing right now will be taken to court also. But, Sean, we don't have time for that, uh, because, as you point out, just the sheer numbers that we're dealing with, uh, we're going to be completely uh, overrun in a matter of days, uh, long before any type of court action could be taken. And that's why it is so essential that the Biden administration understand the, the crisis on our border that exists today and that they immediately reverse course uh, and start using the same policies, the remain in Mexico policies, the repatriation policies. That Governor, you know, with, uh, with all due respect, you know they're not going to. They're not going to do it. So you're stuck now having to try to do their job. Well, that's, and that's exactly it. So we, we got the state trying to do the federal government's job on the state's budget, but also with the limitation uh, that the federal government will not let us enforce immigration law. If, if Texas, what is stopping you? If the law, law allows, this is a. Let me ask this question: 
because I and I, by the way, I really sympathize with you because this is this this is now going to be an unmitigated disaster for border states. Uh, and I don't know what Senator Mark Kelly's going to do out in Arizona. He's been in hiding. We've been trying to get a hold of him. But if the law of the land states that you can repatriate people back to their own country, what prevents Texas from obeying the written law of the land? Would, would, would what are they going to do? They're going to come and take you out in handcuffs and put the governor of Texas in jail if you're enforcing the law of the land? Yeah. So what the 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 reason that compli- or the fact that complicates that is once they come across the border, uh, they are initially uh, under the control of the Border Patrol, and the Border Patrol turns them over to ICE, and then ICE ships these people across the country. And so this is important for your audience because, yes, this is a border-related issue, uh, but th- these people are, are, are literally being flown to other parts of the United States of America through the, the ICE and uh, uh, Homeland Security uh, DHS programs. And so this this is going to be a national-based issue. Yeah, listen, uh, I have great sympathy. Is there anything we can do to help you? I mean, I, I feel kind of, I'm listening to... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a ray of hope to show you how the actions that I've taken this week have already led to results. Uh, when I was uh, with the Border Patrol officers, I asked, uh, you know, being that they're on the front line exposed to COVID, I asked if uh, the federal government had provided vaccinations for border, border patrol officers. And they told me, no. And Unreal. I could not believe that. And so my insistence that day that border patrol officers receive vaccines has now been answered right before I got on the phone with you. Uh, we got word from uh, Department of Homeland Security that the, the border patrol officers are now going to finally start receiving vaccinations to protect them late. from exposure to COVID. You know, you're taking a lot of heat by lifting all restrictions in Texas. And look, everybody hit their hot spot periods, right? It happened in New York and it happened in Michigan. But you protected the elderly population in your state, as did Governor DeSantis and, and the Mississippi governor, Alabama governor, South Dakota, Christy Nome. And so you open it and you've taken so much fire yeah, well, if I use Joe's word, Shirley Jackson Lee, that would be Sheila Joe, just like, you know, your defense secretary has a name and the office he works in is in the Pentagon. Just a little side note, Governor. All right, quick break more with the governor, great state of Texas, Greg Abbott, on the other side and your calls. Yes, you can't say mom and dad in some schools now. OK, where does this end? All right, as we continue, the governor, great state of Texas, Governor uh, Abbott is with us. Texans who go maskless face a destiny of death. This is what a Texas congresswoman is saying. Uh, governor, I think you might want to respond to that. Well, remarks like that are embarrassing. Uh, here, let's talk about the facts. The, the facts are these, uh, and that is we are providing well over a million vaccinations a week. Uh, over, averaging well over 200,000 vaccinations per day. The positivity rate in the state of Texas is the lowest it's been in almost six months. It goes all the way back to September. Uh, the number of hospitalizations have been on a steady decline uh, for months. Uh, an overwhelming majority of our seniors have uh, received a vaccine. Uh, and so the number of people who fit into the category of being most likely to either be hospitalized or losing their lives because of COVID, a uh, majority of them have already received vaccines. And when you look at the vaccination rates that we are continuing, 
pretty much any senior in the state of Texas who wants a vaccine will be able to get a vaccine by the by the end of this month. Also, we opened up a, a lower tier category, including people age 50 to 65, uh, and 25% of whom have already received a vaccine. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the state of Texas has so many people already vaccinated. And, Sean, according to CDC standards, more than 10 million Texans uh, have, have already recovered from COVID and have the proven antibody systems in their own body uh, to be able to defeat this disease. And that's exactly why you're seeing all the numbers go in the right direction. And that's exactly why uh, it was the right time to open up Texas and to make sure that we begin to restore some normalcy. Normalcy in the lives of those who've been suffering mental health challenges because of shutdowns. Normalcy in the lives of people who've not been able to pay their bills. Think of the sleepless nights. Uh, of business owners and workers who were who were unable to, to earn the money they need to pay their rent and to pay their bills. Now, now they're going to have an opportunity to do so. But remember this also, Sean, because what my order said, it gives Texans choice and gives Texans the personal responsibility. You don't have to go out if you don't want to go out. Uh, you can wear a mask if you want to go out. In fact, we, we recommend uh, it's strongly recommended that you still wear a mask when you go out. It's just that Texans have mastered these skills to avoid COVID for an entire year, uh, and they don't need the state of Texas telling them what to do right now. All right. We wish you well on every frontier. Uh, Governor, if there's anything we can do, anything you need to get out, you're always welcome on the program. Uh, anybody I would urge that wants to move to the great state of Texas because it's a business-friendly environment uh, with a good governor, uh, just don't bring your liberal radical policies with you. Leave them in California or New York or Illinois or wherever else you're coming from. Otherwise, uh, I would assume that Texas is open for business. Absolutely. One hundred percent. All right. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? By the way, the AG of Missouri has now teamed with AGs in 12 states. And they're now fighting back against the uh, Biden usurping the power of an entire branch of government and ruling by executive fiat and executive order. And this is critical. The idea that a co-equal branch of government is being bypassed at a level this country's never seen before. We better pay attention to that because your gun rights may go away vis-a-vis, uh, yes, executive order. Just like every other illegal executive order, unconstitutional one, and it's time the people fight back. All right, 25 till the uh, top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Farmers now reacting to this COVID-19 relief bill and the higher amounts of money going to uh, minority farmers versus other farmers. How about we treat all our farmers amazingly well? Because they do so much for all of us. They're all amazing. We'll debate that. We'll have the latest on this private school also saying, yeah, they're banning the term mom and dad. You're not allowed to use that anymore. Um, Now, the states are fighting back by what is an unconstitutional power grab by all things Democratic, radical socialists led by Biden. And that is we have three co-equal branches of government. This is not complicated. This is simple. They're equal branches of government. The legislative branch legislates. Joe Biden does not, in the executive co-equal branch, get to bypass the entire legislative process 
and ruled by executive fiat. Even he said, oh, I'm not a dictator. I don't have the power to do such. Anyway, one thing that 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 stopped a lot of what President Trump was trying to do was never ending legal challenges by so many different disparate groups out there. And what was amazing about it is it's an effective strategy, unfortunately, in as much as, yeah, they take you to court, they tie up, you know, whatever it is, advancement programs, policies that you want for long periods of time, and it becomes effective. And that's that it, we can't get Joe Biden to answer any questions. His press secretary can't even answer. Well, he's so busy, he can't hold a press conference. Every other president holds press conferences. The height of COVID, Trump held, held a press conference every day that the mob and the media wouldn't even want to take. Um, now, there are people and groups that are beginning to fight back in the courts. Missouri Attorney General Eric uh, Schmidt Uh, You now have 12 attorneys generals now joining together, fighting back 12 states now in total over the overreach of Biden's use of executive orders and pressures. Just just for example, like now there's even people within the cabinet saying, well, we might do uh, reparations through executive orders anyway. So you got states, attorneys generals from Arkansas, Arizona, Indiana, Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, Utah, all joining the Missouri Attorney General. And they're leading this the, the filing of this suit against the Biden administration and the massive expansion of federal regulations. And the Attorney General uh, from the great state of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, is with us, who's leading this effort sir how are you and uh welcome to the program and i applaud what you're doing it's about time somebody challenged this i do think you have a good legal case i'm not sure if you saw within hr1 that they're literally trying to to court shop that if anyone wants to challenge constitutionally the the bill hr1 which would assert the constitutional authority of state legislatures to provide the means and place for voting in their individual states uh, that you could only use the District Court of Columbia for a constitutional challenge. They're even going that far. But anyway, sir, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Sean. Let's talk about what you're challenging here, because there's a lot of different orders that you have taken issue with. Yeah, I mean, look, if you put into context on January 20th, one of the first executive orders that President Biden signed uh, was to create this working group um, of a lot of cabinet members to come up with what they're referring to as the social cost, quote-unquote social cost, of greenhouse gases. And very recently, uh, that, that working group came out with a report, and they put the price tag of the social cost of greenhouse gases at $9.5 trillion. That's with a T, which is about half, almost half, of the entire U.S. economy. And what does that mean? That means that they're essentially authorizing through this executive action, all of the federal agencies to recoup by way of additional regulations $9.5 trillion from the economy. I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that would be devastating to, uh, to whole industries, would kill jobs, crush innovation. And so we're standing up and saying, look, you don't get to do this. outside. Not only is it a terrible idea, that will kill jobs and harm the economy and affect almost every household item you'd want to purchase. It also violates the separation of powers, and you mentioned this. 
The founders were very clear. The reason why we have federalism, the reason why we have three branches of government was to check, you know, the, the ambition, check ambition, and to make sure that you diffuse power. So no one person, no one branch ever got too powerful. Why did they do that? To protect liberty. It, all is a, it was all a construct to protect individual human dignity and liberty. And so what the president has moved forward with is a radical agenda. Um, this is, you know, genuflecting to the radical left here. And, and imposing these new regulations, that is a massive, massive increase in um, the federal bureaucracy that's going to impact real people. And by the way, affect when you buy a microwave, when you buy a refrigerator, when you heat your home, when you feed your family. Literally everything you buy is within the uh, purview of these different agencies as they uh, put additional regulations on to recoup, again, that, that $9.5 trillion number they just came up with. You know, I look at all of these things, and I guess it kind of culminates in this H.R. 1. Have you had a chance to look at H.R. 1, which would federalize uh, the way that elections move forward and and codify into law what would actually be what was supposed to be emergency voting procedures during the pandemic, ignoring the great Dr. Fauci who said it was safe to vote in person with social distancing and masks that seems like nobody but myself wanted to hear. Um, but states would have no choice but to accept same day registration. Uh, people applying. And by the way, no voter ID at all. States could not by law require voter ID. States could not turn away the registration of a 16-year-old, even though they can't legally vote. It would literally, you know, it would require mail-in voting for in perpetuity. No ID, no witness, no notar- notary of any kind. If it's a mail-in vote, felons could vote. Um, to me, that would be the, the biggest overreach of the federal government. I believe unconstitutional overreach. Do you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, along with uh, 19 other Republican attorneys general sent a letter off last week to Congress outlining a lot of those um, arguments that you just made, Sean. This look, the, the, federalizing our elections is not the answer. The Constitution is very clear that the states are supposed to set the time, place, and manner of the elections. And by the way, the bipartisan um, uh, Carter-Baker Commission from 20 years ago basically said, look, you have to have these important election integrity measures to prevent voter fraud. And what H.R. 1 does is just burns that all to the ground um, because, you know, they're... they're well, by the way, yeah, you, you'll get a kick out of this, Mr. Attorney General, and that is, you know, the New York Times said the same thing. I, I know, a little shocking. I'm sure they don't stand by that position today because it would, you know, go against their radical, extreme socialist agenda that they support. Yeah, we listen, we have to stand up for election integrity. I mean, having faith in our elections is really important. Making sure that, you know, that people are who they say they are when they go and vote, and making sure that ballots are counted on election day, and making sure that you have you know these kinds of protections is really important. It's important for the future of the republic. And so, you know, the Democrats trying to whitewash all of that and move that HR is just another example of what happens when all the levers of government right now, Washington D.C., are controlled by these radical Democrats. And it's a power. It's just like this. You know, we filed the lawsuit um, we were talking about earlier. I mean, this is part of an agenda. Um, by the radical left that Joe Biden is perfectly willing to do by executive order. If they've got the guts, you know, to put this in front of Congress, and because pa- this is just a Trojan horse for the Green New Deal anyway. I mean, this does what the Green New Deal wants to do, except the members of Congress don't have to be accountable to the voters. And that's the real danger of the administrative state. I mean, this is part of a bigger discussion about the administrative state is too big, it's too powerful, the founders never envisioned it. 
I was talking to a farmer in Missouri recently said, you know, I, I don't remember ever voting for the deputy undersecretary of the EPA. And they can issue a rule or, a, you know, and, and affect their lives. The waters of the U.S. was a classic example of that. So we're going to keep pushing back. The Republican AGs are going to stand strong. Missouri, I'm proud that Missouri's leading the way on this. We believe in individual liberty. We believe in you know, capitalism. We believe in our system. And we're going to fight for it. Let me ask you this. I, I thought Roy Blunt had done a really good job, the senator from your state, uh, as a, in leading as it relates to the unconstitutionality of the latest impeachment. I call it a shift show charade um, that they had against President Trump. Uh, and he did it probably knowing that he was going to announce his retirement not long thereafter. Uh, are you yourself, are you considering a run for the Senate? Would you consider one? If not, who do you, who do you think uh, would, might be able to fill that position? Well, I, Sean, I, I, uh, it's not what I came on to talk about, but it is timely that I have gotten a lot of calls from across the state, and uh, I do think Washington, D.C. right now in the Senate uh, needs a fighter, somebody that's going to stand up for our conservative principles against, again, all these levers are tilted against I us. thought Josh Hawley's uh, done a great right. job for your state. You know, I'm, I, right, uh, no, and, absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, so I am uh, I'm definitely considering that. I made an announcement yesterday that we are I'm talking to my friends and, and family about that and, and, you know, want to make a prayerful decision about it. But, but we need fighters in Washington, D.C., that's for sure. We definitely do. What do you think and what's the status of the McCloskey case uh, because as I understand it, the last time I interviewed them, this still a, this case is still hanging over their head. It, yeah, it's a ridiculous scenario where the St. Louis prosecutor engaged in a political prosecution um, with the McCloskeys exercising their fundamental right of self-defense under the Second Amendment. And Missouri has an expansive capital doctrine, meaning you know you can defend uh, your home and your property, right? And that's exactly what they're doing as a private street. We actually took the action of of filing a brief in that case saying, listen, as the Attorney General of the State of Missouri, if this is how it's going to be, if you're going to have a local prosecutor threaten individuals like that for exercising their fundamental right of self-defense, that's going, to, that's going to have a chilling effect on the rest of the state. So we're seeking for that case to be dismissed. It's actually the prosecutor has recently been disqualified um, uh, from that case, and now there's a special prosecutor on it. But our position remains, this is a political prosecution that needs to go away. It's outrageous. I mean, considering they busted down the gate, they're being taunted on their lawn, they're threatening to, you know, kill them and their dog. Um, and I've interviewed them now a number of times. Do you know in, in this great state of New York where I'm stuck because I have to work here, uh, I can't wait to get the hell out of here, to be very blunt. Um, but, do you know, they actually have... Come to Missouri. Must- Come to Missouri, Sean. Yeah, I mean, it's not only just stand your they don't have not only do they not have stand your ground, you have to attempt to retreat if somebody breaks into your house. Well, let me give you another example, Sean. So Missouri, we I led the brief. Uh, there's a New York case that is perhaps the most important Second Amendment case that the Supreme Court could hear coming up. So the Heller decision was about 15 years ago that said, yeah, it's an individual right to self-defense. Well, in, in, in the state of New York, we filed the lead amicus brief. New York if you want a concealed carry permit in the state of New York, you have to prove to a bureaucrat that you really need one, that you're really in danger. And so those kinds of, you know, may issue regimes um, are really counter, you know, they're not, they're not supported by the Second Amendment. So we're hoping that the Supreme Court will take that case in their next term and say basically these laws that exist in like the state of New York where some bureaucrat gets to decide if you defend yourself and your family are unconstitutional. So we're leading the charge on that as well. Listen, I have to save every death threat so that I can stay current with my carry permit. I mean, it's insane. And by the way, 
may shock people, but I get plenty of them, unfortunately. It's just part of being, a, I guess, a public figure. It's not the good part. Uh, and I take it seriously, but, you know, I don't live my life in fear either. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to watch how this lawsuit goes. Will you please update us when, when you get progress? The problem with our court system is by the time you might get a decision and they might appeal and then you get another decision, then you got to appeal again. And is there any way to expedite what you're trying to do here? Yeah, no, we're seeking a, yeah, we're, we're trying to see, get a temporary injunction, a TRO, even before we get a permanent injunction to turn back this thing. So we want to move quickly because you're right. Look, this is not just the household items that you buy, Sean, that are going to be affected by this. These are uh, energy projects. These are highway projects where these agencies are going to do this ridiculous cost-benefit analysis where they're trying to recoup this social cost that's $9.5 trillion. It's going to really slow our economy. It's going to cost jobs in the short term. So we want to move that case as quickly as we can. I'll be looking forward to seeing if you jump in the ring. Um, We do need good people in Washington, and we do need people that will fight in Washington. And I'm guessing, I've got to believe that Josh Hawley's probably – more popular than ever, in spite of what people in Washington, D.C. think of him. Am I right about that? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, sir. Thank you for being with us. Keep us up to keep us in the loop and what's going on there. We appreciate it. All right. When we come back, news roundup uh, information overload hour. All right. Farmers reacting to billions in the COVID-19 relief bill specifically set aside for minority farmers. We'll get to that. And also, yeah, New York, pricey, Upper East Side, private school. They have banned the words mom and dad. Okay, I've reached my limit. We'll continue. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. You know, I'm getting a little sick and tired of this. And that is that uh, Joe Biden, oh, I can't have a press conference because um, I'm so busy dealing with the the mess that Trump left us uh, as it relates to COVID. He left you three vaccines when he left a million shots a day were going into people's arms. He left, he created that just like he bailed out New York and bailed out New Jersey, and bailed out Pennsylvania, and every other part of the country. And we're now learning a lot of Operation Warp Speed that did it. And I'll tell you, and then we we get a a $1.9 trillion blue state uh, boondoggle bailout bill that only 9% is emergency COVID relief. They're just lying to us. They lie repeatedly to us. You know, Pelosi saying, yo, well, ask the virus because she's basically laying the foundation for even more money to be misappropriated. I mean, you can't make this up and none of it is any good. Yeah, It also is forcing taxpayers to pay for abortion. How is that emergency relief? COVID relief. It's not. Um, And then on top of that, then we have this other issue. Thank God for, I always say this, I love farmers. We had farmers, we have farmers call the show. I'm so honored that they, they're on their tractors. They call. It's cool. Look, as they feed us all and we get to go to our grocery store. By the way, oranges are a little expensive lately. You get 10 big ones for 10 bucks, but it's worth it. They're the best oranges I've ever had. Um, And I love going grocery shopping and our grocery stores were full during COVID. Why? Because the medical equipment manufacturers manufactured, the farmers farmed, and the truckers trucked. People that kept um, New York and other places alive during COVID. But now they have, for example, minority Americans, they're getting paid more 
than other farmers as, as as compensation. Why don't we just give it more money to the farmers that need it the most? Because they're all great. I love them all. I'm appreciative of all of them. Anyway, joining us, Julie Kelly, political commentator, senior contributor, American Greatness, Dr. Scott Atlas. We've been trying to get him on for a long time. Sir, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Sean? You know how to take a little bit of heat, I've noticed. Uh, A lot of people seem to attack you, and you don't seem to care. I kind of like that attitude. Um, (laughs) Donald Trump left Joe Biden with now three vaccines and the plan to distribute it, and it's now being implemented. What has Joe Biden done that you can think of besides being against the travel ban and not lifting a finger as it relates to anything sensible with COVID? Well, as far as I know, he has not interfered with the vaccine distribution, which is good. Uh, And he also recognized in his speech in January, he said something like, quote, there's nothing that can be done about the cases at this point over the next several months, which means that he acknowledged the cases and hospitalizations and deaths were already coming down in January uh, before he took office. The mitigation uh, measures we're not really impactful at all. And now the point is get the people vaccinated who want the vaccines and open up. Those are the two policy goals. And your take on this, this whole let's blame Donald Trump for everything, because we'd never, ever gotten a vaccine, been able to break down the sequence of a virus leading to a vaccine in less than a year than what happened here. It is truly miraculous. Many lives will be saved, just like many lives. Dr. Fauci admitted in an interview with me were saved because of the travel ban that he was against and Joe was calling xenophobic and hysteria. Yeah, I don't know how these politicians can look at themselves in the mirror when they make that kind of statement. Uh, You know, the vaccine, uh, the whole Operation Warp Speed was an incredible success. And, you know, this is just not even deniable here. Uh, The mobilization of resources, the drug development, not just the vaccines from Operation Warp Speed, uh, and, you know, the production uh, emergency uh, that was instituted, you know, these things are all really well done. And, of course, you know, it's tragic that, that all hundreds of thousands of people died. There's no denying that. There's no minimizing that. But what was done by the administration to get these uh, vaccines uh, out, as well as the other things which are underappreciated, like the monoclonal antibody treatments, et cetera, uh, really was a uh, fantastic work. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. And when you have the states that you mentioned, those four states that had, uh, you know, the governors implemented on-the-ground policies. So if people are unhappy about the results of the on-the-ground policies, they ought to look in the mirror and say they were wrong, because what they did was they failed to protect the high-risk people. In fact, some of these governors ordered sick, high-risk people back into the highest-risk centers, the nursing homes, as you pointed out. But the second thing, uh, really, is that they failed to protect the vulnerable in their state. That's their uh, uh, their failure. And then, of course, they did these lockdowns, which were extraordinarily harmful. So that's the two lessons, I think, that we learn if there's a next pandemic, which there will be. Number one, use your head, protect the high-risk people. You don't quarantine everybody who's healthy. You devote your resources to protecting the high-risk people. And number two, Think about the impact of the policies, because when you lock down society, you are destroying families, destroying children. And by the way, all the talk about inequity, inequality, who do you think you're destroying by the lockdowns? You're not destroying the political class, the elite, the affluent. Frankly, you're not destroying people like you and me, Sean. You're destroying 
the lower-income families, the working class, and they are the ones that are suffering the brunt of those failures, those egregious failures of policy. You look, Julie Kelly, at, for example, Florida. What did Governor DeSantis do? The one thing, all the experts were wrong, all the models were wrong, all the predictions were wrong. It was about a year ago, I played it earlier this week, when Fauci said, the mask isn't going to help you at all. Don't wear a mask. Maybe it stops one droplet, but the mask is useless. Then he goes to one mask. Now it's two masks. I mean, it drives me crazy. The one thing that never changed, though, was that this virus uh, made those that are older, pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, compromised immune systems, far more vulnerable. That never changed. In Florida, Governor DeSantis, from the get-go, because we had him on this program, mobilized every single state agency to go in and protect the elderly population in Florida. And it worked. They didn't do that in New York. We saw what happened. Or New Jersey or California, or Michigan, or Pennsylvania. So now we know what we did right and we did wrong. Then we also know that they covered it up in New York, which makes it even worse. That's right, uh, Sean. And I want to say I've been lucky enough to interview Dr. Atlas a few times. He is an American hero. He is giving voice and has given voice to the millions of voiceless, powerless victims of these lockdowns. And I only wish President Trump would have had him on the (laughs) coronavirus task force back in March instead of Dr. Fauci. Things would look a lot different um, because the so-called cure has been far worse uh, than the disease itself, as President Trump warned last spring. But look, yes, what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, I'm lucky I'm in southwestern Florida right now. I live in suburban Chicago, but I've been going back and forth. And he has been really right uh, from the start. And now that you don't even really have to study the data to see the difference between what happened in Florida versus California. Um, But the economy here continues to thrive. People are fleeing blue states, like my home state of Illinois, to come live here because of Ron DeSantis' leadership on so many matters, but especially how he's handled this crisis, protecting the people who need it to be protecting, rolling out the vaccines like he is right now, but keeping the economy going, keeping our kids in school. And so he really has been the gold standard in in how uh, this really should have been treated by every governor. Well, let me ask you this, Julie. I I happen to have a deep respect for working men and women, because if you want to know what makes America great, it's the American people. And I mentioned that had the farmers not farmed, the med- medical manufacturers, not if, if they were viewed as non-essential, if they would have shut down, if the truckers didn't truck, the 18-wheelers that bring us everything that we use in our lives in some way, form, or fashion, uh, New York, places like New York would have died a year ago. It would have been over. Nobody's, nobody was ready for anything. And now I'm looking, and, and for all these farmers, now I could understand maybe certain farming industries are hit harder than others. I don't I don't have an example. I'll make one up. Let's say the soybean or the corn or the avocado growers uh, and farmers. Maybe they were harder hit for reason A, B, or C. Right? Okay, then they might have more access to this aid money. But instead, the relief package four billion dollars pays. Uh, minority farmers more than other American farmers. Uh, I'm like, shouldn't we just be helping all farmers? Because I love them all. Right. Uh, Of course. But, you know, this is giving back to this bill is strictly to pay back Democratic constituencies 
um, including, uh, you know, minority voters and, of course, teachers unions. And so uh, this shouldn't be measured by who voted for who or, you know, certainly apply any identity politics to it. But as you know, Sean, that's not how Democrats roll. And so not only have we crushed the future of so many of America's children, we now are saddling them with trillions of dollars in debt. Uh, what we've done to this generation uh, is a crime against humanity. All of the lockdowns are, but especially what we are doing to our children. It's just unfathomable that leaders well, I of can, both political uh, parties you're have right. done this. You know, Dr. Ellis, I have two college kids, uh, college-age kids. And I got reports regularly, uh, another outbreak, Dad. Uh, you know, they're shoving swabs up these kids' noses every other day. It sucks for these kids, and I feel bad for them. And it's, it's basically eliminated. If, you're a, if you were a high school senior last year and a f- college freshman this year, you basically lost your last year of high school and first year of college. It's, you know, in, in many ways, the experience is not what it could have been. But life is life. Life is hard. Uh, and difficult and and we're all going to take hits in this in this life nobody's immune but the but one thing i know by watching is that kids don't have the same issues with covid as older adults especially those with pre-existing conditions comorbidities etc why aren't the schools open and we should be vaccinating teachers ahead of me my number hasn't been called to get vaccinated yet i haven't gotten the vaccine how do you feel about the vaccine, and, and would you take it yourself? Well, uh, let's talk about the schools first. I mean, there, there is zero reason, zero science, and in fact, even worse, zero logic to keeping schools closed. All, in pers- all schools should be open in person, every single one of them, as, by the way, Dr. Uh, uh, Florida Governor DeSantis has done. And the reason is because of three or four things, really. Point number one. Kids have a very low, extremely low risk of a serious illness from COVID. Point number two, uh, there is nothing more important than educating America's children. And point number three, in-person schools are not the same as long-distance schools. Long-distance school learning is a failure. It is an abject failure, not just massive uh, failing Students, people don't even sign on. They have no uh, way to socialize, learn all the things you learn in person, and all the things that are picked up in school, like, for instance, hundreds of thousands of child abuse cases were never diagnosed because schools are the number one agency to detect that. People get their nutrition from school. People get all kinds of physical activity from school. All of these things have gone by the wayside. And the fourth point, the icing on the cake, is the science has proven, and this goes back months. I wrote about this back in April, March, May, the science has proven that children are not significant spreaders of the disease. So there is zero reason. In fact, America is uniquely sacrificing its children for their own fear. The point about the vaccines and and teachers, there is zero, zero reason to treat teachers as if they're some sort of a high-risk group. Here's the facts. If I had to pick a a job that would be low risk, I'd want to be a teacher because of all the reasons I just articulated about. Well, I mean, look, kids are kind of fearless with this. They're not stupid. Teachers are a low risk population, by the way. Teachers are young. Half of America's teachers are under 41. But I would prioritize them over, say, somebody, even though I am viewed as an essential worker, being, quote, a member of the press, right, or the media. Um, I, w- I would say, no, 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 P- 
police should get it ahead of me. Firemen, hospital workers, I'd say teachers should get it ahead of me, or at least anybody that wants it. I, I don't have a problem with prioritizing people that are have to be around large groups of people from getting it ahead of me. We, we now have the vaccine available. We could have a, a mass vaccination program for teachers all across the country and accomplish it in two weeks if we wanted to do it. I mean, with all due respect, uh, that's an excuse of the teachers to not do their job. The teachers don't want to. The teachers have refused to do their teaching from a distance. So, I mean, this is this is irrational already. I, I, I'm sorry. I just I have to say, you know, with all due respect, there is no reason to prioritize teachers for vaccines. That is an excuse for them to not do their job. It really is. All right. I want to thank you both. Dr. Atlas, great to have you on. Thank you. Julie Kelly, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Yeah, when we get back, you can't say mommy and daddy anymore at a New York private school, almost 60 grand a year. You get a lot for your money. Uh, Okay, we'll talk about cancel culture, wokeness, and the latest examples on your calls coming up. All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free number, 25 to the top of the hour. I mentioned earlier in the program, I still can't get over this. You have a, a very pricey, expensive school in New York, $57,000 a year. Um, it's called the Grace Church School. It offers academic courses for junior kindergarten through 12th grade. I don't know much about the school, but anyway, they are now, well, banning the term mom and dad and parents saying it could be inappropriate that they make assumptions about kids home lives instead the guide recommends grown-ups folks family or guardians also suggests using caregiver or nanny or babysitter and let me just say this i i'm want to be a better christian every day i'm not the perfect one by any means i'm the one that needs the forgiveness christian category put me in that category and, you know, the idea, if somebody wants to be called by whatever, I will call them whatever they ask me to call them. You know, I met, well, over the years, I've had people come on this program that I didn't really have a lot of respect for. And they'd say, my name is doctor, meaning like they have a Ph.D. doctor. And I'd say, OK, mister and doctor, mister, doctor, you know, just to be a wise ass. But I really don't have a problem being. I'm a little more mature at this point in my life. I'd like to, at least I'd like to believe it uh, somewhat. And I'm just trying to absorb this here because, okay, I can't take it anymore. Doctor, listen, Dumbo, Peter Pan, Dr. Seuss, Pepe Le Pew, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, now mom and dad. Now the danger is unfolding right before our eyes across the pond. Well, British friends spot a tea. And our friend Piers Morgan. I like Piers Morgan. I kind of like him because he's a little iconoclastic. Last time, I, kinda, I also like it. He'd come on the program and he, well, he took over for Larry King at one point, was up against me, and we were, we were winning by huge margins. And he said, yeah, you kicked my royal ass. You know, he's, he's got a good sense of humor. And he was strongly defending the royal family, and he's had some insight into Meghan Markle. I don't have a clue whether what they said is true or false, putting that all aside, but he speaks his mind. I like people that speak their mind. And Bill Maher said this recently, and I said it about him. I said, you know, it was guys like me, Rush, Mark Levin, conservatives that were defending 
Bill Maher when they were canceling Politically Incorrect on ABC. I didn't want to cancel. I don't like him. I don't like him even a little bit. I don't like him. I don't like him anymore. I don't want to see him anymore. I'll put that in a Dr. Seuss book. But this, you know, are we going to now have government regulators investigating speech and opinion? Now you're saying, Hannity, that can't happen here. Well, look at what they're trying to do with your Second Amendment. Look at this whole cancel culture deplatform effort. What have I been saying in 33 years in radio, 25 years at Fox? Cancel culture is not new to me because people have tried my entire life and career doing what I do to get me silenced, to shut me down and shut me out because they don't like that I am an outspoken conservative. That's just a fact. And millions and millions and millions of dollars are spent to get anybody that's a conservative every single day. Now, there were some conservatives that used to do this against Howard Stern. They were wrong. If you don't want to listen to Howard Stern, don't listen. And that's why he left terrestrial radio. And, you know, I must obviously live through it. Rush lived through it. This is a this is this has been our reality. If you give opinion in any way, especially if you're a conservative, I, it's why I have never supported a boycott. When Joy Reid came under fire for old blog posts that she kind of denied, I just why don't you just you know give her another chance, show that she can do better. It actually helped her save her job. I've been told I don't know for sure. She sent me a nice thank you at the time. But I was told that she was probably on the verge of getting fired. But then out comes a conservative who happens to do well in cable news that said, don't fire her. I didn't want her voice silenced. I don't want I don't agree with a lot of what she says. I thought she was pretty mean to our friend Bo Snurdly, James Golden, recently. And who else was she? Did she attack? She did almost a similar attack. I don't remember. Linda, you remember? Tim Scott. Yeah, that's right. Tim Scott. I love Senator Scott. We're not for boycotts or silencing. If you don't like it, listen, I, I want you to listen three hours a day. I can't do this show unless you listen. Because if I don't have an audience, I don't have a show anymore. I can't I can't do a TV show. You know, people say they're mad at some people at Fox. Okay, I'm not changing. I haven't changed. I'm me. I'm independent. Same guy, I've been pretty much my entire career. I'm not stopping saying mom and dad. I'm not going to do it. Linda, though, just told me off air that she wants to cancel Dumbo. What's up? What's wrong with you? No, but not for that reason. That's what you said. You said, I don't mind Dumbo I said, I don't mind Dumbo because Dumbo makes me cry. Not because I hate it or because I think, you know. Okay. Now, I'm trying to understand this and wrap my mind around this. Linda, tough talking, New York, Philly girl, grew up in, you know, tough neighborhood. Please don't make me sound like Cuomo. Oh, my God. No, no, no. We are New Yorkers. You know, we're not like these other countries. It's simple. No one hunts with an assault rifle. No one needs 10 bullets Bullets to to kill kill a deer. Oh, God. Why don't you want... Now, you haven't taken Liam to uh, Disneyland yet, have you? No. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Now you'll like it more than I did, because I remember we we, we were once syndicated by ABC Disney, the, my radio show. Yeah, which means you have 
better deal. I won't have any deal. I'll be paying no, you can full get a price. Deal. I can. I, I listen. I've got Disney. You got deal, a guy. Pat. You got a guy. I got a guy. I'll help you. <laughs> I'll set you up. And any, but but I don't don't ask me to Uncle Sean to go because he wants no part of it. Oh, don't worry, <laughs> I won't. Oh, I've been there too many times. And then my son Patrick again, 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 again. The worst roller coasters, and I can't even move my neck by the time I get out of that stupid thing. I'll just make sure that when we go anywhere from now on, I tell Liam, you can't call me mommy. You can call me anything <laughs> yeah. else, you know. Hello, Linda. How are you today? I, I don't. I can't even. Like I looked in the Dr. Seuss books. Um, I'm having people explain to me what is it that people are objecting to. And I'm not getting good answers. Now, the school even doubled down. They sent out a message doubling down on this. As you've likely seen from yesterday's press, we have found ourselves in the eye of a culture war storm this week. And it is important to remember why we are proud to be there. They want to be there. And they go on since its founding, open students, all faiths, no faith at all, grace, church, school. It's our mission, et cetera, et cetera. Recognize the dignity and worth of humanity. Now, I will tell you, we've taught our students to use language thoughtfully from day one. I don't have a problem with that. We should be respectful of others. You teach kids, right? Everything you needed to learn in life, you learned in kindergarten. Somebody wrote a book about it. It's why we require students to use, you know, Mr., Miss, Doctor when talking with adults in this community. It's ba- and saying things like please and thank you. Okay, I, I'm, I'm down with all of that. And I know you, I've heard you do it with Liam. What, what did mommy say? Uh, 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 what do you say? Thank you. What do you say? Please, mommy. I got so it. So from now on, I'll say now, Liam, what did your caregiver say to right. you? What, what We know policing language demonstrates more concern. That's not it. But the see, this is the problem. It's, this is not inclusive. It's actually the exact opposite. It's saying be whoever you want, say whatever you want, except for this. And that's the oddity of, of the whole movement. The movement that's supposed to be so inclusive wants you to be inclusive, but only if you do it their way. That's not inclusivity. That's the exact opposite. No, but- I agree with you. Robin in Maryland. Let's ask Robin. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, Mom. Oh, I'm sorry. I've just been banned. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it slipped. Nope, it nope, slipped. Can't, can't say that. Can't say that. You know, I, I was thinking about this, and it's it seems like it's they're taking their steps to completely wipe out the family. Just completely wipe it out. I mean, it's you know from books to now it's in schools. Soon it's going to be in the public schools, and and they're just trying to erase it. And it makes no sense to me because I have a mind, but uh, you know I just don't understand it. Why they're even doing this? I I I don't know, but I'll tell you, there's a danger behind it. And I and we're just going to have to have some very frank discussions as a country here. Number one, I don't believe that everybody is that feigns outrage. Robin is really outraged. Do you? No, no, not at all. I don't I mean, think all the, the books, liberal I media mean, was feigned and really outraged at Donald Trump's tweets either. Do you think they were? I think they were it was feigned, phony, selective moral outrage. That right? Exactly. Exactly. And and they're just they're not going to stop though, and, and I don't know you know what to do. We we all talk about. I'm in Maryland. I'm in a democratic state, but thankfully we're not as bad. But uh, a lot of people are talking, and we just don't know what to do. We're just all sitting here, just watching this, you know, this this tsunami in front of us, 
and we don't know what to do. What can we do? The answer is don't go along with it. And I, I, you know, look, you got, everyone's got to, you, you got to decide and determine for yourself. It's it's hilarious. You you know, they're banning Dr. Seuss books we saw on eBay, but you can still buy Mein Kampf. You can still buy Hitler's book. You can still buy the anarchist cookbook, which teaches people how to build bombs. And yet you ban Dr. Seuss. Are you kidding me? Well, that's, it's that's so my screwed point up. Exactly. Is they're trying to erase the family is what is my opinion on it, because I, they're just they're they're targeting children and they're they're reprogramming, the, you know, like little robots. So I, um, I don't know. I, I grew up and I kind of was a, my parents were kind of done raising kids, Robin. Right. When I came along, I was number five, actually. And, you know, and I was the only boy. Now that my parents did lose a, lose a sister of mine to crib death, which I, they never talked about it. I didn't know until I was 22. Um, anyway, and it's like, I just, I, I none of these words, and, and, and I'm not going to lie, I've used vernacular that I can't use on the radio in my life. I still do. My kids have heard it occasionally. I try not to do it in front of them, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a good example and role model. But I'll tell you, I'm not offended by any of these things. I'm not offended. Why are we all acting offended? We're not offended. People are full of it when they say they're offended. Now, I would be respectful to anybody if they said, would you mind referring to me as, I said, sure. How would you like me to refer to you? Why do I care? I want to be respectful. It's a fellow human being. Be respectful. There's nothing wrong with showing respect. And if some, you know, I've, I've told the story before that uh, Caitlyn Jenner called me after the Diane Sawyer interview. And I, I knew Caitlyn when she was Bruce Jenner. Always liked him. We got along great. He goes, Hannity, you're going you're gonna to die. I go, what, tell me what's going on. He goes, so I do the Diane Sawyer interview. And you want to know what shocked her the most? He said, I can only imagine. What'd you do? He goes, when I told her I was a conservative Republican, it was pretty funny the way he told the story. Um, that is funny. But I, but okay, I knew Bruce Jenner. I like Bruce Jenner. I talked to him and I said, Caitlin, that's what he wants to be called. That's what she wants to be called. Okay, I, under, I, I don't, do I fully understand all these issues? I do not, but I, I want to be understanding and kind. Why would, I not, why would I not be kind to somebody that is finding happiness and whatever way they're going to find it? It's none of my business. It really isn't. That's another myth, too, that people really give a rip about other people. You know, we like to gossip, but we don't really give that big a rip about a lot of these things if we're really being honest with ourselves. Everyone's wrapped up in their busy life. It's crazy. All right, Robin, you've been a great, it's been They're great to discuss it with you. That is Thanks, Mom. Thanks for the call. People. Thank you. You're, are you a mom? Yes, a four. It's a, there's nothing that makes me happier than hearing, and my kids are, you know, getting older now, but they still love it. They're, they're still kids. And I nothing yeah. makes me happy. Hey, Daddy, how are you? Now, they don't ask too often how their dad is. I don't even think they know what their dad does for a living. Which right. Is, well, I have two grandchildren now, too, so. Wow. Okay, Grandma. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to get in deep trouble for saying that. But I think that I'd be proud to be called Grandpa one day. Not now, by the way, but one day. It's well, still, it's, we're, it's not, we're not going to let that. We're not going to let it disappear. Believe me. All right, Robin. It's, God it's, bless it's you. Fair to say. Oh, I, right. thank you so much. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, Hannity tonight. More of our investigative work. Hannity Investigative Unit. 
live from the border. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, Scott Atlas, the great one, Mark Levin, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, Leo, and Larry. And we'll also be responding to Joe Biden's 15-minute rah-rah speech that he's been practicing for three days. All coming up, 9 Eastern, on Hannity, on Fox. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow.